Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. One of my favorite contemporary poets, Wendell Berry, once said, every day we must do something that doesn't compute by the world's standards. Well, we are about to do just that because today we will reaffirm our baptismal vows. Soon we will be invited to stand and recommit ourselves to a life of servant ministry and discipleship. And for those of us who may not have taken that plunge, literally, so to speak, it is an invitation to explore the beauty of this sacred covenant. Make no mistake about it, baptism is about as countercultural as it gets. This is the day when the church calls us to remember Jesus' baptism as well as our own. Baptism is a marker of our love relationship with God, a visible and tactile sign of God's sacred covenant with us, not ours with God. God loved us first and for eternity. And today we celebrate the anniversary of that love and renew or explore our determination to make that love last and relationship grow. John stood in the River Jordan, baptizing people as a sign of repentance. And when Jesus came along and insisted on being baptized, he actually subverted what baptism had meant up until that point. No longer was baptism to be a sign of someone seeking to escape God's wrath. Jesus hadn't done anything to make God mad. When Jesus was baptized, he made baptism a sign that marked him and all of us by extension as God's beloved, in whom God was well pleased. The water of our baptism is a sign that we are no longer truly and ultimately citizens of a temporal and political realm, but we are now citizens of a heavenly realm. Yes, we are here to engage and resist and protest and articulate a new vision underscoring unity and reclaiming civil discourse. And as members of the body of Christ, it is our baptismal responsibility to recognize and name oppression and then join God in confronting it, whether it's in governmental policies or racism in our schools or offices or violence against certain groups of people, or threats to our natural resources. In fact, I would argue that baptism, rather than taking us out of the world, helps us re-enter and ignite and engage from a deeper place of connection and purpose. A place that requires the kind of love Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of so eloquently the kind of love we see each time a parent stands up to speak on behalf of a child that no longer can be held at night due to gun violence taking that child away. 
the kind of love that kicks you out into the world even if you aren't ready and calls on you to do something or say something on behalf of someone else who has been silenced or wronged or dismissed. The water of baptism sent Jesus out to confront the status quo, to upset religious oppression, to challenge economic disparity, and to disturb the peace of those looking for a Messiah who would give them an advantage above others and on the backs of those. Our baptism sends us out to do the very same thing. You see, as the living body of Christ, we are called to do what Jesus did. We are called and named and loved forever and sent right into the midst of the world's hunger and suffering and brokenness and oppression to be that love of God for all to experience. Our baptism, as with Jesus' baptism, compels us to a lifestyle and a value system which is out of sync with much of the world around us. Jesus was always disturbing people, challenging their assumptions, calling them to live by a different standard. So that was then, and this is now. How do we make that connection? How can we today be true disciples? If we are called to pattern our lives after Jesus, does that really include us being out of sync with the world around us as well? Do we need to disturb people and challenge their assumptions and live by a different standard? Well, I think the answer is yes. This is hard stuff, living the Christian way. And in that hard stuff, there is also a beautiful gift. Today is the day that we first open our hearts and try to take in the magnitude of God's love, calling Jesus and by extension us, beloved. Tomorrow we must go out and confront the injustices all around us. But today, today for a moment in time, we set aside today and bask in the necessarily incomprehensible gift of God's unconditional love. How do you know, and how do you experience, and how do you remember that you are God's beloved? How does God's love reveal itself in your life? When was the last time that you told someone how that love has carried you, or nurtured you, or strengthened you, or challenged you, or sustained you? In the first few weeks of this year, I have already been reminded of the very complicated landscape we navigate as followers of the God of love. At seemingly the same time, some members of this community are gracefully saying goodbye to a beautiful baby that will most likely never see its first birthday, while others are planning for a beautiful wedding later this week. Still others are on the brink of financial hardship, unemployment, navigating difficult diagnoses of illnesses, struggling with depression, managing the care of ailing parents, 
all at the same time that the news of reconciled relationships and unexpected blessings are equally as present. I've been reminded these past two weeks that life is never truly an either-or proposition. Once you really dig into the messiness of accepting that we are both broken and blessed. Walking with members of this community this week, I was reminded of Anne Lamott's wonderful book, Traveling Mercies. Published now almost 20 years ago, it still is so helpful, providing a kind of no BS clarity of what this messy landscape can look like at times. She writes, Our pastor of our little church, Veronica, said recently that this life is like a place where hearts get broken. And it is life's nature that lives and hearts get broken. Those of people we love, those of people who we'll never meet. She said that when the world sometimes, that the world sometimes feels like the waiting room of the emergency ward, and that we who are more or less okay for now need to take care of the tenderest possible care of the more wounded in the waiting room until the healer comes. You sit with people, she said. You bring them juice and graham crackers. And then Veronica went on vacation. Traveling mercies, the old black people at our church said to her when she left. For this is what they say when one of us goes off for a while. Traveling mercies, be safe. Notice beauty. Enjoy the journey. Know that God is with you. This week, I have felt more keenly aware of this reality. And I'm grateful for a day to simply breathe it in today and put down the need to fix or fade or even really truly understand or explain all that is going on in our lives. Instead, today is a day just to remember and reclaim or maybe consider for the first time what it might mean to be marked as God's own and blessed with a promise of love and lasting hope for the duration of the journey. Today, it's my prayer that each of us will renew our relationship with God by promising that we will be more faithful, living out our side of this sacred covenant, this sacred love affair with God. We are called to be children of God and disciples of Jesus. We may ignore or neglect that calling, but still the waters of baptism will never run dry. God will continue to bring along people or situations to remind us of our calling and challenge us to live out this love affair in our everyday lives. So if today you are looking to do something as Wendell Berry would urge us to do, to do something that doesn't compute with the world's standards, let's start by living boldly, professing a faith that dares to claim we are God's beloved, in whom God is well pleased. And along the way, May we also be safe, notice beauty, enjoy the journey, and know that indeed God is with us. Traveling mercies, traveling mercies.
may it be so.